welcome to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. And today on the Unicorns, we're featuring ActivePort. It's a listed company on the ASX with the code ATV. ActivePort sells software to telecommunications companies, internet service providers, and systems integrators, including transit carriers like Megaport, cloud providers like Amazon Web Services, and Microsoft Azure and Telco Networks. Here to tell us more is the CEO of ActivePort, Karam Nijam. G'day, Karam. Good morning, Justin. How are you doing? I'm very well. Tell me, what does ActivePort do? It's um, just listening to the little run-through you did. It's a hell of a mouthful, isn't it, um, to explain what ActivePort does? So let me um, do a, a sort of a, a medium-length version of what ActivePort does. So Go for it. I'm, um, I'm a 20-odd-year veteran in, in tech and IT, as is the CTO, Mark Middleton, as is our chairman and several other people in the company. And where we started this journey is with Mark, who had produced a bunch of software and his goal in life is to make really complicated technology as simple to use as possible. And so Mm -hmm. where his focus, his attention is, all right, how easy can it be to build a network globally? How easy can it be to manage technology across a whole bunch of countries, across a whole bunch of cities? And so what ActivePort is at its heart is a piece of software that helps our customers take the complexity out of managing their technology. So all of the bits that make the network, all of the providers you talked about, and pulling them all together into one place so you can build a global network in seconds via software, via our software interface. And where that where that is interesting is for our telecommunications companies and a deal we're doing into India at the moment is they're a startup telecommunications company and they can run the technology in their network, their cloud infrastructure, some of their internal systems, instead of using three, four, and five different pieces of software to try and manage all that, we can pull it all together for them in one place and make it easy for them to manage all of that technology. So we're about software and making it really easy to use some of the remarkable technology around the world at the moment. Where did the idea come from? Mark, our CTO, um, had an idea over a decade ago when he was in the process, I think he was getting the internet set up by one of the big telcos. Yeah. And it was just really complicated. And you needed this person to come by and that person to come by and stand with one hand in the air and face north and all of these sorts of things. <laughs> on a high tide. On a high tide, yeah. <laughs> and had a, came to a conclusion, why can't it just be that you walk over to a port in the wall and go clip? And it all just works. Hmm. And then um, I got involved a bit over two years ago and I had done some work in my previous employers, Optus and Telstra, that have big technology environments with lots and lots of complexity and trying to make that as super simple as possible in software. And 
I tried a couple of times to do something a little bit like Active Port, but for various reasons, it didn't land in those companies. But um, Mark showed me what he had, and he was off and running. He just needed um, some people to surround him to give some momentum into the market with the technology. But we saw an, an opportunity to do what I just said instead of if you had to, say, build a network or build a connection between Tokyo and Dallas, you've got to speak to a telecommunications company in the US, you've got to speak to one in Japan, you've got to speak to somebody in the middle, or using our software, it'll do it all for you and talk to them for you. And you can build a network between those two cities in seconds, as opposed Mm. to days or weeks of coordination. Yeah, so how how used to how how did it used to work before Active Port came on the mm. scene? The um, sort of like the way I just described. You can imagine um, we've all been on the phone to some of the big telcos, um, but what would used to happen is you would either go to one provider and say, "Look, I need to build a service. I need to build a network between Tokyo and Dallas." And they'd say, oh, look, it's about six weeks because we've got to arrange this and provision this and tell these people and buy this new bit of computer and and all sorts of things. But there has been a lot, a lot of network built around the world in the last decade. There's a lot, a lot of big telco companies and providers that said, look, it saves us a lot of money. It makes life a lot easier if we make it possible for the world to deal with us in software. Mm. And so what we have done is written the software that will go and talk to those different telecommunications companies and say to them, build this from here to there, make this, put this configuration on the systems, and it all happens automatically. And what there are some other companies um, around the world, like Cisco, that do something similar, but only for Cisco gear, right? Mm. There are some telcos around the world that can do something like this, but only for their telecommunications network. We've come across the top to make it possible for anybody to connect into that technology in those telcos end to end in literally Mm. a matter of seconds. So it takes all of the the hard work out of building these networks and lets companies go back to doing what they're doing instead of working instead of worrying about the tech. Yes, that's at the heart of it. That's right. They're yeah. running the business. Yeah, let you, you guys can look after the tech. Absolutely. Go do your banking. Go do be an architecture company. Go do go be a mining company. You're not interested. You just need the technology to work. That's mm. at the heart of what we do. And Kairam, is there, are there any other companies out there that do similar things to Active Port, or are you out there sort of flying the flag on your own in a in a unique space? We're we're largely flying the flag on our own. So um, I've had there's a lot of um, talk in the investment community and in the tele- in the you know, technology community always around Gartner reports and Gartner magic quadrants and these sorts of things, mm-hmm. and. I've spoken to Gartner three or four times and they said, well, we'd like to involve you. Which of these boxes do you fit in? And we've said, well, <laughs> yes. we fit into... All of them or none of them. Well, we fit into the 
software-defined networking and software-defined wide area networking box. We fit in the automation box. We fit in the management and orchestration box. We fit in the cloud and cloud compute box. And the response from Gartner-like companies is, well, that doesn't really work. You've got to be in a box. Mm. And we don't fit in a box. Mm. And so there are companies out there that do some things a little bit like ActivePort, um, okay. but very siloed in their approach, very specific to one type of hardware or one type of technology. We don't know of any other company that does what we do across cloud and across networking and across orchestration. So we believe we're unique. We haven't heard of or seen a um, company that does the same thing. Mm. And that's just really briefly borne out in what our customers are starting to understand. And it's a brilliant thing to do, Justin, is it's almost to the minute in a customer presentation. It's about exactly the 40-minute mark of a customer presentation where a senior technician or a CTO or a CIO will go, oh, aha, okay, hang on. That's what you do. That and that and that and that. They go, yes, we do all that. And so the company (laughs) we're working with in India at the moment has come to us and said, can you really do this and this and this? And we said, yes, we can. So they, instead of engaging four vendors, four four technology vendors to get an outcome, they can do it all with us. Mm. So we believe we're unique, yes. So the the company has not been public for long. Uh, It's now on the ASX. I'm keen to know more about the experience of taking uh, ActivePort public and what that was like. That's a a long answer. We've got time. Uh, yeah, we've got time. Um, my time pre-working um, in a public listed company was all in Optus and Telstra and some other technology stuff prior to that. So I was 14 years at Optus where I finished up as an executive vice president and then went off to Telstra and was an executive director running product engineering. And if you'd said to me 18 months ago, do you seriously understand how business works in technology and telco globally? I would have said yes. It's a very different deal to be a publicly listed company mm. and starting from a pretty low base where you have to say, okay, dear market, we're new, we're here, this is what we can do. So the first part of um, the listing was it took far longer than I was expecting. But often so, does. It does, often yeah. Does. I hear that. Yeah. And and for somebody who's been close to the technology for years and years and years, it was obvious to me the wonder, the, the, the cool things that we could do. But like explaining to our customers and that 40-minute mark I was talking about, when you go and deal with the investor community, these uh guys and ladies have just heard a pitch about fish farming or heard a pitch about hydrogen energy generation and all of mm-hmm. a sudden there's some telco guy talking about orchestration and sd wan as like hang on we need to 
we, we, we need to understand the opportunity we have here. So getting the story on we're here to make telecommunications and technology easier and more efficient took a while for us to hone that message. Once we did, we ended up with a great level of support into the IPO. So, yeah, it took longer than expected. But then it's very exciting when customers start giving you good feedback and the customer numbers mm. start growing and you start signing some big deals as we did this week with Radiant Arc. That's when it gets very exciting. But I was going in, to ask you yeah. about that. Let's talk about that if we can. Tell yeah, us about sure. that deal. Yeah, the, so Radiant Arc is um, a company we first started dealing with about 18 months, two years ago. And they mm -hmm. saw a space in the market to sell cloud gaming. Okay. And what that means is instead of having a, um, a console in the corner of your lounge room and, you know, like an Xbox or something like that, you can now, because of the speed of networks, 4G, 5G, broadband, play games just as effectively with the game hosted inside a telecommunications company. Mm. And that's referred to as cloud gaming. And it's a, an industry that various um, analysts are talking about being multiple billions of dollars over the next few years. And so Radiant Art came to us and said, um, we need some technology and some software to hang a platform together, to create a, a platform for us to be able to offer up a gaming service into telecommunications companies. So the way the telcos sell it is they say, right, for $5 extra per month, you can play all of these games. So we went and built a cloud platform for them, orchestrated, mm. all run by our software that's licensed exclusively to Radiant Arc. And so yeah. they are in the process. We've delivered 11 customers for Radiant Arc. We have um, several others on order. And so what we've built is the platform using our software. And Radiant Arc pay us to deliver, um, deploy, turn on, hand over all of that technology. They mm. pay us a service to do that monthly, but they also pay us a licensing fee for our software. But as per the announcement, the uh, the deal over five years is sitting at about $8.65 million. But um, we hope that will grow as the number of, of number of Radiant Art customers grow into what should mm. become a really significant market globally for that sort of gaming. Um, Instead, uh, you're right. It is. A, it's a huge market. Yeah, massive. Yeah. And and the way to think about that is, in countries like Australia, in countries like the US, um, it isn't prohibitive for a lot of families to spend four, five, six hundred dollars on one of these gaming platforms. But in some tell other me, countries, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, yes, I'm sure the mums and dads would prefer to be paying a few dollars a month instead of um, yes, instead yes. of five, six, seven hundred dollars in one go. But in, in countries like India, some parts of South America, the idea of a small monthly charge opens up that entire market. And mm. so, in in India, um, there's 1.12 billion telecommunications subscribers. And so going into a market like that with you can play the latest and greatest 
games. You can play Call of Duty. You can play all of these sorts of things. You don't need to buy that bit of hardware in the corner. You can subscribe to it via your mobile service and play it on your home computer or on your handheld device. Hmm. So the opportunity for the market's huge. And Radiant Arc's done a brilliant job of picking a, a gap in that market. And we're very proud to have helped them build the tech to do it. So tell us about some of your other customers and where they're based and what you're doing for them. ActivePort, as I said, has networking software, orchestration software, um, cloud software, etc. And so we have a increasing number of customers signing up to use OSD-WAN services in Australia, so managed service providers in Australia. We also have um, customers in parts of Africa, Ivory Coast, Mozambique, Nigeria, into Southeast Asia, into Malaysia. Um, we have uh, a very exciting deal, which we're in the process of finally finalizing the signing on into India, which is the company I talked about earlier, which yep. we yep. hope will be a, a well above million dollar deal to help them grow in India and expand internationally. There is uh, other opportunities that we're in, um, either in a final negotiation on or in tendering with into uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, United Arab Emirates, Arab Emirates. And so we have an increasing number of customers creating the pipeline on our networking software, but the automation and orchestration bit that we can do to make things simpler in technology bit is the bit that's getting real traction with a bunch of telcos and big tech companies around the world because it gets to save them a bunch of money and make them more efficient. And they could probably launch a new product. But that's, yeah, that's where we're operating at the moment. We um, don't have a live site in North America as yet, but that will change in the next couple of months. But we have a almost global coverage now from a, a customer base, bringing those customers on and ultimately turning on our revenue base. Well, it's it's an election year. <laughs> the elections um, are going to be held in May. What would you like to see the new federal government, whether it's Labor or Liberal, do for businesses like ActivePort? That's a, a great question. It's a big question, isn't it? Um, mm. There's sort of there's two ways I can answer that. There's a, there's a meat and potatoes start that I, I'll, I'll make to that, which is when um, you have a great idea, when you have what I believe to be some quite unique tech. And, and as I said, we're getting that take up. It's to start up the day you open your office and start your first employees. There's a lot of cost. There is, you know, yes, real yes, estate cost. True. And, and, and the, the, the time to turn on revenue can take weeks and months. And so one of the well, yes. really, yeah, well, sometimes one of the really simple things would be, some sort of subsidy arrangement where you say, look, you're listing, you have strong investment, um, we understand what you're doing, we're going to give you some relief on things like rent for a year. Mm. We're going to help you with your cash line. 
you know, it's up to me as the CEO to make sure I'm hiring the right staff and hiring enough staff. Yeah. But yeah. Um, if you take Sydney as example, we've, we've now got offices um, towards Central and the CBD, but I didn't want to set up way out west in, in cheaper. I wanted to set up in the middle of town, have access to customers and make it easier for the employees. Mm-hmm. So just simple things like, yeah, we can help you with a subsidy. You're a startup. That's great. Let's help you with some rent. Let's help you with a rent yeah. abatement, that, that sort of thing. Just things to make it easier to do business. Yeah. Just, and that's, it's our business to run. It's our business to get to thrive. But if there was that little bit softer landing, just where, you know, you end up spending quite a lot of money in the setup phase of a startup. So help there would be brilliant. Mm. The other, um, the other piece is um, we have got a, several partners globally and we're getting um, a lot of interest, as I said, from different parts of the world. But a, a federal-based, hey, you're a startup, here, jump on the conveyor belt for startups that we've created in Australia as a, as a tech startup conveyor belt. And what yes. we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to some of Australia, Australian government's biggest partners or trade partners overseas and say, okay, look, and if I was in the federal government, um, here are four really interesting startups in Australia and we're going to help you showcase that into the US, into the UK, into India. Um, Mm. And when I say conveyable, it's like, look, you've met the criteria. You guys are going great guns. You're hiring Australians. It's an Australian startup. It's an Australian tech company. We're taking on some big companies around the world. We're going to help you Mm. because it would be great to have a really strong tech hub in Australia. Atlassian have done brilliantly, right? But there are some other amazing people in Australia doing some amazing tech, and we can – get much bigger on a global scale if we can find a way to get this showcased internationally. So the other end of the scale is, yeah, helping us with some of those international conversations and being prepared to to showcase us as a highlighting Australian innovation. I think that would be brilliant. So you've worked, um, Kairam, at the highest levels of um, some of the big telcos, Telstra and Optus, hmm. yet you chose uh, to leave there to, to join ActivePort as a startup business, clearly there was something that you saw in that business um, that made you take that leap of faith. Was that was that a hard decision for you, or an easy one, um, leaving a you know a, a well-paying corporate job into potentially the unknown? The um, that's a that's yes and yes and no and no. So it was it was a big decision um, to step out of the large corporate because I was in there for over 20 odd years. But um, I was originally asked by Peter Christie, the chairman, to join the board of Active Port. Um, and I asked and I agreed. And I uh, asked to see the software and how it worked. And in the meeting where we went through the software, what it could do, I said to Peter, I would like an operational role. I haven't seen mm. anything like this. I think this can be huge. I would like to be involved more than just as a board member. And so that made it easy from then. It was 
this is going to be different. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to have to learn a lot about small caps. And instead of being the technical leader, being the company leader where, you know, you're, yes, you, you run sales, you run legal, you run tech, you run all of these pieces with all of the staff. Um, but it was an easy decision in the end. It was such an interesting opportunity in a market that I know pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, big, big, big organisations do brilliantly for brilliant reasons. But um, Mark and I had a conversation about 18 months ago about a new product. And we decided to do the new product in three hours. And he had it, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he had it, and he had it built. He had it built in three weeks. Wow. And I called an old colleague of mine who runs product at um, uh, one of the large telecommunications companies. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what we're going to do. This is really cool. And he said, and you've done it. And I said, yeah, it took three weeks. And he said, I'm not sure I could get the meetings together in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we can't coordinate right? the diaries. Yes. Now, now, Telstra in particular plays a hugely important role in Australia and Australian society, being yes. inside Telstra. When stuff goes wrong with cyclones and floods, Telstra does amazing there, things to restore service. It's an amazing network with some amazing people, but it's big and it does what it does it a is. certain way. The opportunity to, to get on a Zoom call and say, hey, what do you think what about if we doing did this? this? Yeah. Can Gosh, we do I, this? That's not a bad yeah. idea. I reckon... I tell you what, why don't we? And everyone wants to talk about agile. So in three hours, you go, okay, this is this is the skeleton, this is the wireframe of what this is going to look like. And one of them, Mark called me and he said, um, "I've done it. Have a look at this." It was three weeks later. That's when it gets exciting. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. And and what it was about was just the way you can use our technology to fail over between networks completely transparently. So with everybody on video calls, you don't want stuff to break. So mm. we've written, written a piece of software that just manages, if, if the broadband goes down, you can flip over to the mobile network and it's seamless. Mm. And so, yes, it was um, a brilliant piece of work. So once that starts happening, you get, you don't get tired. You just have this boundless energy to go. Okay, let's go and smash a hole in that wall now. What can we do next? And that's the that's the good thing. Yeah, running yeah. a well yeah. a nimble business. Yeah. Am yeah. I right in saying that uh, you had experience earlier on in life as as both a miner oh, working Lord. underground, but also as a <laughs> wine expert in in France? I'm keen to know if that's true. I wasn't. I wasn't in France. I was in. I was in Australia, but. Um, I um, am from, uh, most people know where Broken Hill is, but it's, you know, way out west in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. So um, I finished high school in Broken Hill and trucked off to Adelaide to go to university. University, the first time, didn't really work out for me. Um, yeah. So I thought, all right, let's have a break. And um, I do what a, a whole bunch of people tend to do when they're, 18, 19, and they've had enough of study, I went and got a job in a pub. Mm. And yeah. six months into that, I thought, this is really interesting. This isn't just pulling beers and learning a bit about Wiping food. tables. Yeah. yeah. 
And so I did a bunch of study. I did a bunch of work. And a few years later, I was one of the waiters at the Australian Restaurant of the Year, which is in Adelaide. And mm -hmm. I then went on to become a professional sommelier. I was a trained sommelier, wine expert um, in my early 20s. Love it. Yeah. Which comes What's in your handy. cellar like? Uh, good. There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's the cellar at home and there's yeah. a, a little cellar that's actually kept off site. Yeah, because, and the good stuff. Because the good stuff you don't want access to after you've had a couple of bottles of the average stuff. Because <laughs> you wake yeah, up where the next morning and go, oh, no, what, oh, why no. did we open that? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I've got, I'm fortunate enough to have a reasonable cellar. Um, so that was the, the, the wine waiting, the, the, the hospitality mm -hmm. bit. Um, I decided to go back to university um, before I – and this was now about 1990. Before I um, did that, I thought, right, well, I better go and make a bit of money. And so I decided to go and work on an oil rig and got a job on an oil rig. And I spoke mm. to my mother. Where was that? That was going to be off the northwest shelf of Western Australia. Yeah. And I spoke to my mother, and I'm now, what, about 21. And mum said, to hell with that. Um, if you're going to be doing something that crazy – I'll get you a job on the mines in Broken Hill, which mm, is where I was from. Okay. So I said, yeah. oh, okay, well, make life a bit easier. I won't go and run around. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Mum. So I went and worked for two years in Broken Hill in the mines underground, um, which is uh, a kilometre and a half deep. It's, a, it's um, quite an amazing environment for anyone who hasn't been in mining. Um, See, that, and, would, uh, that would completely freak me out. Um, no, most people you. most people think it's really small. It's not. It's huge. You drive around in trucks. Yeah. There's traffic lights. You know, it's huge down there. Anyway, mm. did that for a couple of years, saved up some money, went back to university, studied a science degree, then started working um, in a company that wrote mining engineering software called MapTech right. out of Adelaide. Okay. Yep. And this was just – we're now in the early to mid-1990s and I thought to myself, hey, this network thing, this, this might take off. This internet business, this <laughs> might actually become a thing. Might get on the line. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I got involved then in networking, got a job as a sort of a junior engineer at Optus, finished up in the Optus and Singtel group as a group vice president. So that 15 years went very, very well. And took, went yep. from there. But, yes, um, I think a lot of people bounce around a little bit when they're younger going, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. So, yeah, there was a fair bit of variant, variation. But, yes, it's since the mid-1990s I've been in tech. But um, having a knowledge and background in wine is awfully helpful. Uh, I, I, bet, I bet. Well, let's let's finish with a look ahead, Kayram. Um, and, and there would be some, some shareholders listening uh, to this. What – can we expect from Active Port, say in the next twelve months to twenty-four months? The um, we listed in October, and we let um, shareholders in the the market know that the financial Q3, which has just finished, was very much about a foundation. We've got the software right, we've got the product right, we have a pipeline of customers. It's taking. Um, some time for us to get the software in the customer's hands and integrated. But then in Q4, what the market can expect is the turn on 
of that revenue. So with the announcement earlier in the week about Radiant Arc, some other announcements mm. that we're going to be making over the course of the next few weeks is that by the end of Q4, we will have a, a strong run rate around our software, our monthly reoccurring software revenue, because the market is clearly waiting for ActivePort to turn on that software revenue. Mm. Our top 50 investors have remained our top 50 investors almost entirely since listing. So our investors are sticking with us. So then, yeah, so then Q4, we'll have that strong software run rate and pipeline. And then the growth in revenue, well, we're very optimistic about the growth in revenue into next financial year. There's a lot of foundation work being done and now it's deliver and grow the software product in the companies we're working with and in the customers we're working with. Because once a customer becomes a customer, they'll buy 10 licenses, then 100 licenses, then 1,000 licenses, then 10,000 licenses mm. as, as yeah. it's used inside their network. And so, it. yeah, it's the software model's great because it's as difficult to sell one license as it is to sell 1,000. That's true. And you, That's it, true. Yeah, and it, it, it once you've got your set of customers, it will grow organically. And so for our investors, what I am looking forward to updating everyone on from the end of the financial year is we were promising software revenue. There it is. We were promising um, revenue of this size. There it is. And here's the trajectory in our, in our software business, in that monthly reoccurring software business. Mm. So that's um, what I plan to be saying come full year results time. Great summary. Thank you very much for coming onto the show today. Kram Nijame from ActivePort, we wish you all the best and good luck in the future. Thank you very much, Justin. Great talking to you.